okay, we're going to now get into our message, and we're going to be talking about being anchored in genuine love. You know, it's just a few weeks away until Resurrection Sunday, you know, and that's a big Sunday where a lot of times uh, there, there could be folks that don't attend church real regularly, but they'll make sure they get out to church on Resurrection Sunday. You know, and there's other uh, high holidays, I guess we could call them, and, and other uh, holidays that will draw people out to church. Christmas as well is a time where people will make their way out for Christmas Eve services. Um, and, and you know, when we look at the entire message of Christmas, of Jesus coming, the entire message of him being resurrected, even when we look to the Word of God and we look at creation, life, the cross, all of it can be summed up in one word. And that word is love, right? Genuine, 100% pure and authentic love. I mean, that is the message of the Bible. That is the gospel message. It's God's love for us. And you know, our world is, is so in need of hope and so in need of the gospel and in need of truth because our world is so confused to what love really is. I mean, in here, you, you know, in, in our nation, we will use this word, love, so glibly, and we'll use it in so many different contexts. We love our, our dog. We love our, our pizza. Hey, we love our stuffed crust pizza. Can you say amen? We love a particular movie. We love ice cream. And then we could turn to a family member and say, I love you. We can turn to God and say, Lord, I love you. And, you know, I, I think to a great degree, in our culture, love has lost its meaning and its value. And uh, we are to be the ones that are to model and show that and exemplify that to the world around us. You know, uh, in, our, in our modern, I say modern in the last couple of decades, uh, you know, pop culture, the, the philosopher uh, Tina Turner, the, the songwriter Tina Turner, she had a song called What's Love Got to Do With It? I'm sure you've heard of that song, right? Probably most of us have. She says, uh, you, you know, love is just a secondhand emotion. Uh, sounds like somebody who's had a little bit of a tough time in life, you know, but, but it's interesting. There's that, that's just one little illustration of so many places where we see that love and the prominence and, and the power of the love of God. Just, just love has lost its value. So we want to get into it a little bit today. And there's, there's, there's counterfeits, there's misunderstanding, there's cluelessness, there's all this stuff. Uh, we want to um, just kind of refresh what is the genuine love of God and then just be committed to walking in it. So, you know, in the Bible, in the New Testament, uh, which is, you know, of course, written in Greek, there's four kinds of love that we read about. So when we see love in our English, it could be, you know, any of these four Greek words. There's storge, uh, which is a Greek word that, that uh, is speaking of affection. Uh, there's eros, that's speaking about the, the marriage bed, physical love. There's uh, philio, which is friendship, friendship, a loving friendship. And then there's agape which is the God kind of love. And it's an unconditional love, and it's the highest form of love. And so, so why is this such an important topic for us to go back and visit one more time here this evening, right? It's kind of a popular message we go back to over and over again, because love is the key to the existence of everything. 
right? We take love out of the picture and the world goes into complete chaos. You know, and I had said just a moment ago, people are confused on love and they're clueless. And there's lots of imitation love, isn't there? You know, have you ever been, um, yeah, I, I know for I, for me, I have, I can remember uh, being in New York City and walking with my wife and some friends and passing some shops. And then you could see people selling, uh, you, you know, what looked like these designer bags, you know, uh, that were, you, you know, in any kind of a designer store would just be hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And, and uh, you know, yet they were real cheap on the street because, of course, they were knockoffs, right? Uh, have you ever bought an imitation? You know, there's imitation uh, Rolexes and things like that. I remember seeing a commercial on TV one time and, uh, you know, where you could call in and order something. And they were they were telling us that, you know, the material that this made, that this was made of, that the material was genuine leatherette, you know? And when I looked it up, because I was like, what is leatherette? And when I looked it up, it said imitation leather. And I thought leatherette is imitation leather. So, so these folks were peddling, come and get some genuine imitation le leather, you, you know? And man, isn't that the picture in the world? Come for some genuine imitation love, you know? Uh, and and what is it about an imitation or a knockoff that's such a letdown? Well, hey, it doesn't hold up like the real thing, does it? You know, and, you know, if we make the choice to invest in something that's a knockoff, uh, we wind up disappointed because it doesn't measure up to the real thing. You know, and most folks don't understand what genuine love, what agape, the God kind of, the highest love, what it really is. So let's take a look at what the Bible has to say. First John chapter four and verses seven to 11 says this, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. That, that's, that's such a, a, a cool, cool statement that we just read there. You know, uh, you know, God is love. If we know God, we're going to know love. We're going we're gonna to have his love. You know, it's kind of like this. You know, I, I, I like swimming. I know as a kid growing up, I always used to love, I had a neighbor that had a swimming pool as a kid growing up. And, uh, you, you know, uh, sometimes I would play outside uh, because if my neighbors were out in the pool and they saw me playing outside, more times than not, they would say, hey, Jimmy, you want to come over and swim? And man, that I love to swim. And they had a diving board and the whole bit, you know. So, you, you know, here, here's what I'm getting to. You know, you jump into water. Nobody jumps into a swimming pool and is shocked that they're soaking wet, right? You get water and you are soaked, you are wet. They are one and the same, water, wet. It's all the same thing. You can't separate them. Well, it's the same thing with God. Uh, when we get God, we get agape. We get genuine love. When you get genuine love, agape, you get God. You can't separate the two out. So if God is love, then he can't be anything else you know, like these other things that people try to say that God is. God tells us who he is, and it's this, that he's love. Let's continue on, First John there. Now moving down to verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, 
we also ought to love one another. So the purpose and intent of Jesus's mission was to demonstrate love and to show us how to live. And he, of course, the, the ultimate picture of his demonstration of love was his selfless sacrifice, his death on the cross. When we look at love and agape, we actually in scripture get a definition of agape. We're probably all real familiar with it in 1 Corinthians 13. And it tells us just what this genuine love that God has. And because God has it, we should have it toward one another. So let's look at verse 4 through verse 8 of 1 Corinthians 13. And it says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And in verse 8, love never fails. Man, how many times, many of us could say, how many times have we heard that verse? And yet I, I still find myself having a greater need to, to get my heart and my mind around how amazing and awesome and powerful that is. Agape never fails. If God is love, then we could also read it this way by replacing the word love with God. God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. God is not rude. God is not self-seeking. God is not easily angered. God keeps no record of wrongs. God does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. God always protects, always trusts. God always hopes and always perseveres. God never fails. Isn't that awesome? And hey, can we take it one step further? If we're in Christ and God's living inside of our heart and we're called to love our brothers, then this ought to be our declaration about ourselves. I'll speak for me. Jim is patient. Jim is kind. Jim does not envy. Jim does not boast. Jim is not proud. Jim is not rude. Jim is not self-seeking. Jim is not easily angered. Jim keeps no record of wrongs. Jim does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Jim always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Jim never fails, right? We can go through that and, and can't you feel it out that it, while we put our name in that picture, it becomes an inventory. It becomes a, a reflection moment. So, hey, is God's love pouring through me the way it should? Is God's love being manifest in my life the way God would want it to? Because if it is, then these characteristics are being consistently manifested in, in my life. Amen? So really, really cool here for us to get this picture of just what is it, you, you know, to be um, having God's genuine love at work in our life. So let's give a couple of uh, characteristics now that we've talked about this, about genuine love. All right, so I'm just going to go through a few. Uh, number one, genuine love is based on the giver, not the receiver. You know, some, some people would say, and I've heard this many times, you know, just as a pastor. Well, once I get my life turned around, then I'm going to turn back to God. You know, but God's love for us isn't based on when we get our act together. God's love for us is while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
You know, God loved us while we were still enemies, while we while we were still far away. And so, you know, when somebody says, well, hey, I'll, I'll come back to God once I get my life turned around and once I get cleaned up, we can't do it because we can't earn his love. We can't buy it. And hey, at the end of the day, we don't deserve it. God's love is only available to us by his wonderful, amazing grace. And grace is defined as unmerited, undeserved, and unearned favor. So we need to make sure that we're not those that try to make ourselves clean because we can't. The Lord does the cleansing, right? The purifying, the sanctifying. Uh, and we also, hey, we need to not be those that make others in our lives earn our love, right? God gave us this example of unconditional love. We want to be that example to others, especially those uh, all around us that we interact with every day. Genuine love number two, it is a decision. It's a choice, not a feeling, not an emotion, not a fall. You're right, we've heard this said, maybe maybe some of us have said this, that, that we've fallen in love. You know, the, the thing about falling in love is you can fall out of love, right? It's kind of, you know, something that, uh, that, that gets tied into emotions and feelings. But from God's perspective, uh, it, it's a choice. It, so more than falling in love, it, we should walk in love, you know? Um, falling in love has to do with we have been enamored by something about the other person. You know, something that's 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 made them uh, enamoring to us. But, you know, genuine love makes the decision, I'll choose to love you. And it's based on me. It's not based on you. And that being the starting point means that our love is then not something that's uh, a, a result of something. It is instead something that is sowing into something else. Pretty powerful, right? Genuine love number three gives unconditionally and expects nothing in return. We look at John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We, we hear that verse quoted a lot. And we also go on then here to verse 17. That isn't quoted as much. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He's, he's the life raft. This is giving unconditionally without it being predicated on something in return. Now, in response to this free gift that we receive by faith, we're surrendered and we make this commitment to live in obedience to him. But there's not strings attached in him sending Jesus for us. I mean, he did it while we had, before we had made the decision to say, hey, I want you, God. I want more of you, God. I want you in my life. Right, So we have the option to accept or reject it. And what's hard for our brains to wrap around is that even if we reject God, it doesn't change how he feels about us. Now, let, let's keep in mind, we reject God and we, um, we forfeit salvation. We forfeit the payment for our sin that Jesus did on the cross. We forfeit eternity with God. But as, as somebody would make that choice to not receive God, but to reject him, God doesn't love any less. God's heart is still reaching out, wanting that person to be saved. Amen. Genuine love number four is aggressive. Maybe we want to use the word assertive. And it's outward focused. You know, I've been thinking about this in, in my growth group. We're talking about 
the practical prayer life. And just this last week, we spoke about praise needing to be assertive, aggressive praise. In other words, that, that it's not passive. You know, when we think of praise, I think of David, you know, King David, where he worshiped. And there, man, there was some intensity to his worship. You know, love is not gooey and soft and lame and weak. But instead, you know, the agape, the love of God, it's, it's assertive and, and it's outward focused. Uh, the, the world has a response of love which says, if you love me, then I will love you. But the genuine God kind of love, agape, is not selfish and doesn't wait on others to act. It's a love that's, again, it's, it's, it's based on us, not on what someone else is doing. And it's assertive and it puts the emphasis on helping others before helping ourselves. Right, Matthew 5, verses 43 to 47. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And we got to remember this verse in these days that we live in. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. And he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are you not, uh, are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? But be perfect or complete, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect, right? And, and love those who are unlovely. Love those who would say that they're, they're enemies. You remember a pastor uh, saying, um, you know, and he was a very well-known pastor, uh, had a lot of interaction with, with folks, and, and somebody asked him something about his enemies. And, and the pastor said, oh, oh, I don't have any enemies. You know, and, and, and the person said, well, I know so-and-so's attacked you, and I know so-and-so's come after you, and I've, I've known this has happened. And he said, oh, I didn't say that there weren't people who considered me their enemy. I'm just telling you, I don't have any enemies. I'm choosing to love those people, right? And, and I thought, man, that's just a beautiful picture of what we're looking at right here. It's easy to love somebody who's being loving toward us. It's reflecting agape when we love those that maybe aren't being so nice. <laughs> Amen. First John 3.16 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid his life down for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. So, hey, you know, bottom line, how do we know what love is? It's laying myself down so that somebody else can be served. Genuine love number five is highly contagious. 1 John 4, 7 to 8, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So there it is again. It just laid right out for us. When we spend time with the Father, we can't help but begin to have his love working through us and pouring through us. That's why in our own private time, uh, times of worship, times of praising and adoring God, times of loving on God and, and being in fellowship with him are so important because his love is going to pour out through us. So uh, when we're touched by God's love, it will impact every area of our lives and it'll wash over to those around us, right? Okay, uh, we're going to look at one more and then we're going to be uh, coming in for a conclusion for a landing here. Uh, genuine love breathes life. So not only is it contagious, but it breathes life in others. You know, it's interesting, Genesis 2, verse 7. 
The Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Isn't that such a beautiful picture? God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. You know, real life is found in the pure, authentic love of God. It literally is life-giving. It breathes life. It's his life imparted into ours. So, wow, you, you know, as we see so much that's challenging around us, you know, so much difficulty, so many people that are hurting. And, you know, uh, I heard a phrase as, as, a, as a new pastor. Somebody said, don't ever forget that hurt people hurt people. You know, there's so many hurting people. And whether they realize it or not, you know, that oftentimes translates to them just passing their hurt onto others and it becoming sort of a domino effect and, uh, you know, a little bit of a, of, a, of a cycle, you know, one of those vicious cycles there of just negative stuff going on, you know, but the antidote, you know, uh, for us who know Christ as Savior and Lord is to live in communion with him, is to abide in the vine to live in a place of worship, to live in a place where we're interacting with him, where, where we're allowing his love to so fill our lives and fill our hearts that out of the overflow and the outflow of that relationship with him, that love is pouring to others around us. See, God isn't telling us to, uh, to what am I trying to say? God is not telling us to put on an act like we care and love. God is saying, let his love flow. You know, there are times where, and we're not feeling it, so we got to choose it. But choosing to love when we're not feeling it is different than putting on an act, right? I hope you understand the difference that I'm, that I'm trying to um, bring to light there. You know, what I'm saying is God says, if we choose, we walk it out, we walk with him, that it's going to be the outflow uh, of, our, of our walk in a relationship with him. You know, I remember um, back to my wedding day, I remember my pastor when he was giving the charge, that's the, um, you, you know, the, uh, the little sermon to the bride and the groom, you know, he said, because both of you have made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your lives, the Lord lives in your heart by his Holy Spirit. And his love, that, that agape love, abides inside you. And he said, you know, during the times where life is challenging and life is tough and, you know, you're, you're in deserts and dry places, that agape of God will well up and it will water your marriage. It'll water your relationship. And he said, don't forget that and, and, and don't lose sight of how important that is. The agape of God will literally water the rest of our lives. You know, and, and think about that, you know, it, the, the ground of our heart, right? The Bible talks about seed sown and good ground in our heart, right? That, that you know, seed that falls in good ground is going to bring a lush, a lush harvest, whether it's lots of greens or, or whatever the fruit might be. So uh, a fruit bearing life, it'll be visible to the world around us where they see the agape of God. And remember, agape never fails. It, 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 in another scripture, I didn't, didn't quote the address for that here tonight. You, you know, it says that love conquers all. That's agape, conquers all. So again, the power of God's love. We, we, we only scratch the surface 
in looking at this here tonight. But if we just make that decision to run to him, to abide in him, to love him, to minister to him, to lift up praise and adoration to him in our lifestyle, he's going to keep our lives watered with his love. And that love is going to pour out of us. Hey, and it's going to wash over our thinking. It's going to wash over how we see others. It's going to filter and adjust the lens through which we see life, the paradigm that we have where we're discerning people around us and how to respond to them. And it's a fruit of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, right? It goes on to say, so that it becomes a fruit that gets born out in our lives. So, hey, the question all of us must look at today as we get ready to wind down here is um, how are we responding to God's genuine love? Have we allowed any knockoffs in there? Uh, have we allowed the that well of agape love that's inside us, have we allowed it to um, get a little dormant? You know, have we gotten a little um, distant in, in our worship and our praise of God? You know, maybe this is a good time to say, Lord, I, I, I just afresh and anew, I stir my heart up. Lord, and I, I love you and I worship you and I praise you. Right? Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. So, hey, why don't we make a decision today, just a fresh dedication to Jesus being Lord over everything in our lives and allowing God's love to permeate our lives on a daily basis throughout the day. Can you say amen? Why don't we ask that now in prayer? Father, as we wrap this sermon up this evening, God, we just say afresh and anew that we surrender our hearts to you. And we do love you so much, Lord God. We love you so much. We worship you. And God, we want to be those that live a lifestyle of worship. We want it to be in our daily life that we are walking in your love. We want it to be that in our daily lifestyle, all of our coming and going, Lord, we want it to be that your love is pouring out of us. So we just say afresh and anew today that our eyes are fixed on you and that we are committed to live in, in vital uh, relationship, Lord, to live vitally connected to you in our day to day. Help us to do that. Forgive us to where we have allowed our love to cool off. And Lord, we're just asking today, not just, just making room, but we're asking and crying out today, stir our hearts, stir our love, Lord, and let your love pour out of us. Lord, we want it to be that when we look at 1 Corinthians 13, all those things about love, we want it to be that those things describe us because we're walking your love out. So God, we give you praise for it. We thank you for it. Lord, I pray your blessing on your people this evening for the rest of this week, that your grace, your favor, your anointing, and Father, your love would be so manifest in each one. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.